the real reason why you write is to connect, right? To tell your story mm -hmm. to express, you know, like all of those reasons. You hope to make money so that you can continue your endeavor and no one wants to be homeless or living in the cardboard box. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today we have a guest. Lisa from Stars at Night Publishing has been a real estate professional for several years, and now she's branching into the book world of writing and indie publishing. What's unique about her is that she takes her business acumen and applies it to the book world. I learned a lot from chatting with her, and I hope you do too. Before I continue, I'm going to request your support with something very simple. How about buy me a coffee? Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps this podcast in many ways. I'll add the link in the show notes and for all of you who have bought me coffee already, I thank you. Let's get back to this episode, and here's my conversation with Lisa. Lisa, welcome to the Living a Life Through Books podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. All right. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a reader. Okay. I'm a reader first. I've always been a reader. I've always been in love with books. Mm -hmm. And um, in my workaday life, I'm actually a real estate broker. Okay. I have been for about 20 years. Wow. Okay. And I have started a publishing company because I started writing about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And I made the evaluation with the new technology at the time and what it was doing for um, self-publishing and the likelihood of finding an agent to push my work forward. Okay. Amongst everyone who's trying to do that as well, Correct. I decided I would start a publishing company. So I'm in the process of producing uh, several books. I have a cookbook coming out and I have a work of fiction and a work of nonfiction. Oh, wow. And will okay. all be published this year. So I did all of the legwork out back and now they're being brought into the world today, but it's a long process. Okay. So this is... Your publishing company, how do, what does that count as? Is it like self-publishing at this point or independent or what do we even call it? Um, I think we're going to call it indie publishing because I am helping other people push their work into the world. Um, but I don't feel so in my, uh, I've had a couple of careers now, but in the career that I'm actively in as a realtor, I feel very much the professional. Sure. I know all the obstacles. I know all the solutions. I've been doing it a long time. I have a lot of experience. So I feel very competent in that area. Uh -huh. um, and publishing is still really new to me. I don't feel like I have every answer to every problem. So um, I'm a little nervous to promise someone that I'm going to push their work into the world. And there's a financial cost to that as well. But that will be my goal is to start pushing other people's um you know, books into the world, maybe even produce a magazine. I'm working with someone um, about pub publishing a magazine because there's not really a magazine for readers. 
you know, there's always a section of all these magazines that touts whatever books are coming out. There's not really anything dedicated to books and to readers as a magazine that I can find. If anyone has one, I'd love to know what it is. It's true. I'm trying to think. You're you're right. Well, next time you go in the bookstore or in anywhere that has magazines, keep an eye out. If you see something, I see writer's magazines. Right. So if you see anything in regards to a reader magazine, you know, I would definitely subscribe to it. Um, I love reading about reading. I love reading about writing. I love writing, you know, like, so I just love that world. And I think it's time to, with the technology, technology and the ability to produce our own work, I'm going to take advantage of that and put forward some of my little pet projects. So how do you start a publishing company? Like I, Um, I'm clueless. I'm kind of like, start a publishing company. I'm like, well, you probably need a press or a printer. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. I have no idea. You need the book too, right? You need the works to go into the world. Minor, minor detail, but minor detail, right? Right. The product to project. So um, I I looked at it as uh, an additional business. Okay. And so um, I started businesses in the past that have okay. been successful. So I started with either you have a service or a product. So a product, you have a book. Okay. Um, you want to make that the best product you can put forward in the world. Yes. You know, like at the time, I, I don't feel like anything is ever really finished personally. <laughs> it feels hard, you know, to, to let something go like it's been worked enough. Um, right. but you need to, um, have the product and then you need to establish what you need to put the product together to put it in the world. So that's been the greatest challenge because we now have all these methods. Okay. And you have to research for print. There seems to be from my research, Ingram mm-hmm. Sparks is, uh-huh. you know, available to everybody, but it's very uh, for the cookbook, at least, it's a little cost prohibitive. Really? Like, it's it costs me more money to produce my book than what I want to charge for my book. Okay. Just so, to physically print it. So let's talk about physically printing a book, okay? Yeah. I'm going to, let's pick a book. Oh, okay, let's take this guy here. Okay. So I have this book, random book that I picked out, okay? Yep. This is the size of it. Hardbound, yep. looks good. I'm going to see how many pages it has, Okay. Let's see, we are at, this is 319 that are counted. And then there are the acknowledgements don't have page pages on them. So like 20, two, three, four, another 10 pages. So about 330 print pages. Mm-hmm. How much would it cost? And I wrote this book. I'm, I mean, what, I'm just, no, I did not write this book. I'm right. just saying... Yeah, you wrote the book and you now you want to put it in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're just kind of, yeah, <laughs> your eyes went big, like, whoa, no, no, no. I mean, I, how did I follow you all this time on Instagram and not know you wrote that book? <laughs> yeah, look, my my name. I've, I've, yeah. <laughs> so, for example, Ingram Sparks has a calculator. You put how many pages, what size the book, is it hardbound, is it softbound, what kind of edges do you want? And they give you a calculator. And then to make it less expensive, you buy it in bulk. You let them print it in bulk. Right. Right. But then you have the cost of holding inventory, the cost of shipping inventory. 
right? So you're trying to find the most economical price to produce the best quality product that you can put on the market. So I'm the first one I'm doing is a cookbook. Okay. The reason why I chose cookbook as the first one is cookbook sales have been increasing 6%. So no matter how many cookbooks keep coming to the market, the sale of them keeps increasing. Really? Yeah. You would think it'd be a saturated market, but they're picture books. I think we all love a good picture book, to be honest right. with you. <laughs> Sometimes I look through the cookbooks. I'm not even cooking that night, but it like fills like a little bit of a need, you know, to right. see the pretty pictures. It gives you ideas what you want to cook, even if you don't want to cook that recipe. Right. Um, and I think it makes us feel connected. I think food makes us feel connected. And I think the books around food make us feel connected. So um, I chose that because I thought it was the most viably producible book. Plus I cook in my real life for um, friends and family. And I've always, I'm a big entertainer. So I have lots of parties. I also cook in my real estate world where I'll cook for open houses or, you know, go and meet a bunch of people and bring them all cookies. Like I do all of that stuff because I do like cooking and everybody always wants all my recipes. Right. So I thought even if nothing else, when somebody wants the recipe, I say, you buy my book. <laughs> right. An expensive recipe, by the way. But anyway. Yes. So, and, and that's part of the thing is um, the cost of producing the cookbook is because you need the food itself. You need to style the food. You need to photograph the food. Right. Um, now you, you can do all of that yourself, which I am doing some of it myself. Right. But I find that I might not be as good as hiring a professional to do it. Of course. Right. So I'm having to temper the costs with the number of pictures the, the, so the physical cost to produce the book. And then when I went to print it, because I have color pages, uh-huh. they lead out to the edge and they're, you know, a certain size, this typical size of cookbooks, I found that it costs $3 less to print the book. I can, if I sell it for $29, which is more than I want to sell the book for, to be honest. Right. Okay. I have to, um, I'll only make like $3 and 41 cents before shipping. So the book, your printing cost, if you're selling it for 29, your printing cost is 26. It's just under 26 because I'll make $3.41. Yeah. So, wow. So literally you are paying $26 and whatever cents yeah. to print this book. And that's just the printing cost, correct? The printing cost. That's not, not the cost to make the book. Right. We're not talking about the cost of the photography and you know paying someone to do that or all of that the testing the recipes to make sure that what I do in my house translates to what you do in your house none of that (laughs) right okay so this is just the printing cost yeah for a cookbook for a cookbook so you hope some people buy it ebook you don't have any printing costs and you make up the difference right But I did learn recently, so part of, um, I had a number of health concerns and some other things that pushed, I was supposed to, in my head and through my goals, Uh (laughs) through my tax accountant, published the book last year. Okay. And it did not come to fruition. Partly because once I started doing all this research, I thought I might have to break this into two books to make it affordable. Because when I go, I have um, some relationships with some bookstores and they want a discount so that they can make money on the book. And now I'm like, well, if I give you that discount, I've just paid $13 for you to sell my book. 
So I'm working with the copy editor, the style editor to possibly shift it into two books so that I make it affordable for someone, you know, I could charge $60 for it, but then I'm not going to get people to buy it. I'm a no one right. from the food network. So I'm, I'm having to, it's a business decision, reevaluate how I'm going to still put this project that I've now invested a fair amount of money into because I do have, right. and I do have copy editing and I have a cover that all professionally designed, you know, how do I, how do I now make this a money making but how do you make money when you you say you want to make it two books? That just doubled your cost. But it it um, delete it halves the number of pages, which halves the number of the printing costs. Okay, so you did because have there was a lot of writing in the cookbook. Okay, and so now I'm paying for color printed pages, for example, for writing. Where if I do more recipes in color and do the writing in the second one. And for example, if I say, if you have to cook and you want to hear the stories, a buck more you know, for the ebook or, or something like I, I'm having to manipulate it because as a business venture, okay. And that's what a public publishing publisher is, is a sure. business which has to make money so it can produce other things in the world. Sure. It can't lose money. Right. <laughs> Knowingly, <laughs> right. On purpose, it can't lose right, money. Right, 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 right. Yep. So um, because I'm a business person and what I do in my real estate world, I help people buy, sell properties. I also help people renovate them to make them more valuable. Okay. I, I have all of these different skills mm -hmm. and I just took, you know, how much money do we have to do what we need to do? Okay, now we need to break that down. And so what I did, it's just the, the math and the business and the financial piece behind like I do anything else. You know, when I renovate a building, if my construction costs are 18 grand, I have to fit all materials and labor into that cost. So right. I kind of like keep backdooring in. And I had done most of the work before I finalized the printer and got the information about the printing. Mm -hmm. And that's how that was mistake number one, that I could totally tell someone else when I'm going to help them produce their work. Now, it would be a completely different cost if it was just black and white pages Right. Or words, which is why, how I'm thinking I'm breaking up the two books. But when you start a publishing company, it's, you know, you get a business, you get a logo, you go to the state, you incorporate, you get some tax IDs, you do not all the normal things you do for a business. Correct. But then what you do is you have to decide, is this just your pet project because you want to put your one or two um, books out into the world and you don't want to, you have a full-time job and you're Knock, or you're, you don't have a full-time job and you just want to do this as a, a hobby for yourself right. and you're happy to do this because our hobbies cost us money. Right. You know, my photography hobby is a fortune, right? Right. So, or is this going to be a money-making venture and you have to approach every single thing with a profit and loss statement, which right. is how I'm approaching it. And then there's also going to be marketing the book and, and all of that other stuff, but taking on the role as a publisher. And that's why I think I'm more the indie publishing, mm -hmm. you know, maybe not today because I'm new, you know, right. Okay. But what my goals are five years and 10 years down the line is once I gain competency and gain the skills that I need, I love 
bringing it to other people. Just like in my real estate world, I bought properties, fixed them up and sold them and made them more valuable in my personal world. Okay. And I could do that for other people. It was a skill and a competency that I eventually got good at that I could repeat over and over and over again. Right. And even to this day, um, the big publishers, they take on all those when sometimes, and, and you may be different than me when you're reading, but sometimes I'll look and see like a celebrity that I know has no business writing all of a sudden throwing a book out into the world. Because they're a celebrity and people are going to read it. It could be crap, but they're going to read it because it has celebrity name to it. Yes. And that publisher is going to make money. Absolutely. And that's their goal. Right. But their goal is also to put beautiful works of, you know, literature or fiction or nonfiction to tell stories. That's also their business. Right. So if they're going to do that, then they need to do it financially, financially viable. So they're going to have to take, you know, the Kim Kardashian selfie book and make money so that they can put that to projects that they're taking a risk because they don't know if the world is going to love them and respond to it. Right. So I remember being younger before I really got into publishing and I would be like, you know, hand on hip, you know, sucking my teeth at the idea that a celebrity was putting a book out. And then a bookseller said, yeah, but that allows them to put 10 books that no one knows who the writer is into the world. True. It's like, oh, you know, when you look at it as a business, you know, not just being the consumer of that business, but also to be a producer in that business. So it's been um, challenging and I've made a whole bunch of mistakes so far, but I've only made them for me. So I don't feel terribly, you know, I'm not, no one else is on the line yet. Right. But the other thing is also marketing a book. How do you get your book out into the world? And a lot of people think, oh, you just put it on Amazon and that takes care of everything. But as you know, because <laughs> you look at my to be read stack, right? That's what made it into my house. There's a lot of books that never make it into my house that I want to be in my house, but we all have finite time, right? So there's the whole aspect of marketing. And, but, but once you have the work, it could live in perpetuity. Correct. So you're front loading all the work, you're front loading all the cost, and then you hope it takes off on the back end. Right. But you got to work it and market it and push it. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. So here's my question. Yeah. I'm told that you make more money. So let's say I have a book and it's ready to go. And I was told that I would make more money publishing it independently mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to go with the traditional publisher. What are your thoughts on that? Um, maybe, maybe not. Okay. So I've heard stories, Hugh Howie is an example of somebody who um, self-published his books. Okay. He took it to a publisher. One of them he took to a publisher. They did put it out in the world. He didn't make very much money. He bought his rights back, sold a million copies, translated it into 28 languages. Wow. Okay. Okay. He made more money self-publishing, but he was a writer who had a large body of work for people once they fell in love with him to try other things. It was what he did full time. Mm-hmm. He um, worked as a bookseller to see what worked and what didn't. Right. So he had some knowledge of the industry altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he wrote some really great books that found their um, fans who then consumed and told everybody, you got to read this book. This book is great. 
right? right? And it took off as a marketing sensation. Now he sold, um, Ridley Scott bought his rights to one of his movies. We don't know if it'll ever get made. Okay. But, but he's the indie self-published um, example of doing it on your own and making way more money than a publisher could do for you. Right. But, and, but there are people who make a full-time living off of publishing books traditionally, you know, I think of like the Dennis Lehanes, the John Grishams, the James Pattersons, think of all of those, Gillian Flynn, think of all of those people who, you know, get advances from publishers, publish traditionally, sell their books, so they can continue to write more books. But the, right. but those are, you know, the people you're mentioning, I mean, James Patterson and mm -hmm. uh, Robin Cook or, you know, uh, Nora Roberts, all, all those people, there's like, they're the exception. You can pick 20 people out of how many thousands of people. So I, I don't, I mean, if I put a book out with a publisher, I mean, I'm kind of like, will one book sell? I mean, will I get one sale out of it? Will I get two sales out of it? I mean, that's what I'm looking at. I'm trying to think, will I get more sales through a publisher or will I get more sales begging people to buy my book. Lisa, please, please, Lisa, just buy my book, okay? Please. <laughs> Maybe people will buy it just to shut me up. Right. <laughs> like, just go away. Okay. <laughs> yes, go away. But yeah. that's what I'm trying to think, you know? And you well, there's gotta be a marketing plan. Right. It's not just you can have the best book in the world, but if no one is going to read it, mm -hmm. no one's going to buy it. But here's the thing. You said like your book cost twenty six dollars to print. Mm -hmm. How much would a novel cost? Like my book, how much is it going to cost to print? Um, you can actually there's an Ingram Sparks website that has a page and you can say it's going to be 300 black and white pages uh, this size and it's going to cost twelve dollars to print. To print, if it's maybe if it's not hardback, it's like eleven dollars. So there's different price. And then if I buy seventeen thousand copies, it's gonna be six dollars. <laughs> but now I have to warehouse copies, or, or you know, I'm making that as a random number. I don't. No, know no, that. I know, no. I'm just, I know it's a random number. I'm just like, just that number alone went, whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just went in my heart, and I'm like. Pitter patter, pitter patter. I'm like 17,000 copies. Oh my gosh. Like I was just telling you, I just want to be excited if two people would buy my book. <laughs> right. right. So, and I think that comes also into, um, you've got a marketing and a lot of people don't realize that even when they're um, published by the big publishers, mm -hmm. they're going to have to market their book. They're going to have to be the voice behind their book. They're going to have to go do interviews. They're going to have to do, well, we don't, I mean, I don't know what people are doing now with book tours, but you know, they're going to have to go to libraries and do talks and like they're part of the marketing of right. their book. But some writers just want to hide in a hole and write, you know, they just want to like type away and be, they don't want to do the front facing extroversion piece of it. Mm -hmm. right? right. So it's, it's unfair to say that in today's day and age that just if you're tra traditionally published, you're not going to have to market your book. You are right. Right. And we have everything vying for our attention so much more. I'd argue you have to market your book more. Correct. And you did 50 more because there's so much more competition. We have better and better television, better and better movies, more 
uh, entertainment vehicles coming to us. We have podcasts, we have this, we have a lot of, a lot vying for our attention. But when people love something, I know for myself, when I love it, I look up every possible thing I can find about it. True. Right. So I can't be the only one. True. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I listen to your podcast. Oh, yeah. You you you. company in the car. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so because I love talking about books and, you know, while I'm on the road for work, sometimes I'm on the road for six hours and at least I'm talking about book or, you know, like I'm, I'm, I have a one side conversation to the books. That's good. Yeah. So I think that to say you would make more money one way or another, it's what's your expectation. I think so many writers have the expectation that they're going to write one book. It's going to sell a million copies. They're going to retire happily and they're going to be able to continue to write and live on their yacht in the Mediterranean. (laughs) Wouldn't that be the dream? (laughs) But a lot of writers, I think Jerry Seinfeld said it like, it doesn't matter how much money he has. It doesn't, he wants to stand up and perform his comedy, right? Right. He has the drive to do that. A lot of writers just want to write. Right. They feel like they have something to say. They want to express themselves somehow. They want to connect to someone. I know that the reason why I like writing, when I was really young, my parents were really intelligent, mm-hmm. really well-read. Mm-hmm. Anytime I wanted to do anything, they would have an argument so that I would be manipulated at the end of the argument that I'd be agreeing. And I was like, well, this is wrong. I don't... Like I want right. to go to a concert. Right, right. <laughs> I just, you know, so I would go in my room and without their voices, I would write down what I want to say. Okay. And I would come out after the argument, like two hours later and say, don't say anything until I read this whole thing. And I would articulate, you know, be able to articulate my points without, you know, the dialogue back and forth. And 50% of the time or more, I would get to do the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I must be a better writer than I am speaker. Right. Because I can organize myself and get myself like narrowed down. And, and I think um, another comedian said the same thing. She's not funny every day, but after three and a half months, she has one hour of really funny. Right. Right. And I, I like that pared down expression that has been a little bit polished Mm -hmm. because I'm a digressor. I'm, you know, I, I'm kind of like all over the place when I talk, but when I write, I feel like I can express myself better. And then I've been reading stories for so long. I finally want to participate. I want to tell stories too. Books have always been my company. They have like mm-hmm. organized me in the world. They have given me a vocabulary to talk about important things. They have made me see, you know, the good earth, for example, made me see that there are, I was born in an amazing place at an amazing time and I shouldn't complain that much. Right. You know, and if I didn't read that book, I don't know that I would feel the way I do about certain things that like reading has been instrumental in every single, how I view the world, how I view myself, how I experience things. I, I absolutely love reading. So at some point I want to get on the other side of that. Oh, I completely empathize. I mean, I'm working on my novel. So, right. So I completely empathize with it. I've been writing since I was 13 started mm-hmm. off writing poems. I've been writing poems forever. And then I started a novel. So I, I, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I empathize with that element of it. I just think it's interesting how you had mentioned people think, oh, I'll just write this book and I'll retire on my yacht. <laughs> I'll be doing something extraordinary. 
you know, but that's, look at Stephen King. He is still writing. He still has stories to tell us. He still has things to say. He's still, right. whole, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm saying he's holed up, but it's hard. You know, we're not all writing on the side of a beach side, right? We're all right. In our hole. Cause we like, some of us need to be at the coffee shop cause they need the world around them. And other ones of us need to shut the door. You know, don't bother me, I'm writing. You know, like a way to like organize ourselves. We're all a little different. And I think we all have stories to tell. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an unlimited amount of stories and experiences. Uh And I think the way technology sits today, if you have that story, you have an opportunity to send it into the world. Even if it's just electronically, even if it's just on your blog, it can sit on a website. You know, just the act of... um, producing something instead of just consuming it. And and that's what the internet is. Go on YouTube. There's 7 million videos of people trying to, I mean, there's some people who are just trying to sell you ads. Correct. With that. But when people are creating content and people are creating great, great content, mm-hmm. you know, um, look at Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan set out to have interesting conversations with interesting people. So he has more millions of downloads. Right. Per month. Right. Conversations. Correct. Right. I'm sure when he set out to do it, he just wanted to have the conversations. Right. So I think the first thing you need to do is really want a story to tell, you know, right. or want to tell a story and tell that story. Right. You know, and then I think it's important to read and read wild, wild, um, widely because you can see how everyone was doing it this way because that's what sold. And then all of a sudden, Gillian Flynn came with Gone Girl and then we had all of these unreliable narrators and we had, you know, and then, so stuff does have trends, but maybe you can make a trend, right? Write the story you want to write. You know, it may make nothing, but if you found a hundred people to write you an email that says, or write on your Instagram page, oh my God, I loved it when you said, wouldn't as a writer, wouldn't you just sing for the whole day? <laughs> oh my God, I would die. I would just absolutely, I would, that's it. That would make my day. I mean, you know, it's interesting on my podcast. I just recently started this uh, thing for monetizing it. I never monetized it before. I just said, this is just free. People can do what they want to do. That's it. I'm not here to, you know, if I make money, great, but I'm not famous enough to do that, to even ask for money. So then someone else told me, why don't you just do the buy me a coffee thing? Just mm-hmm. say buy me a coffee. And I'm like, I'm not going to ask people for money. And he goes, no, 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 no. He's like, you are not asking for money. You're just asking for the support. You're asking them to buy you a cup of coffee and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they just, some people just want to give you the money just to support you as a person. Maybe not even to support the stupid podcast, but just to support you as a person in your endeavors, which is very interesting. So I put it out there and uh, someone bought me coffee. And in her note, she said, Shanaz, I am really impressed by what you're doing. I'm inspired by what you're doing. I can't wait to read your book. And that's why she bought me coffee. So, and then speaking of someone quoting you and all of that, that it wasn't the fact, I mean, I didn't make a million dollars, right? It was just coffee. I mean, it was like $10, but still that made me sing a storm. I was dancing all day. I'm like, oh, yeah. they bought me coffee. They bought me coffee. 
and and I get it. So if an author wrote a book and someone messaged the author, you know, direct messaged or even made a comment on their Instagram page saying, when you said this, it really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. I would just, that's it. I would, I would be on cloud nine for the rest of my life, most likely. Yep. And as readers, we are, you know, we're not reading for the money of it. Right. Right. And the need to write shouldn't be coming. The first thing isn't, I need to make money from this. Right. Because the real reason why you write is to connect. Right. Tell your story Mm -hmm. to express, you know, like all of those reasons. You hope to make money so that you can continue your endeavor and no one wants to be homeless or living in the cardboard box. Right. We all want to eat. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna be, I'm not going to be like, oh, wrapping myself. And as long as I get to write my works, I like right. clothes and shoes. Sure. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you I mean, know, <laughs> my, yeah, minor detail. Yeah. Like yeah, food. But and... I decided when I took on this project that at first it was supposed to be, I'm just going to write to put it out there because I've always wanted to do it. And then it turned into, well, if I get good at it, I could do it for myself and I can do it for other people. And then as I started meeting people on their journey and talk and connecting with people, right? I learned that we all have some kind of story. Um, one of the, the women who's helping me build my webpage, mm-hmm. she was talking about, I kind of always wanted to write a children's book. I'm like, cause she write a children's book, write right. a children's book. So now she's getting it illustrated. Oh, wow. And we kind of go back and forth on, you know, so even if she only writes one or maybe she'll write a hundred, right? But if she, you have this need, there's a, a mechanism to do it now that's affordable. You don't just have to wait. I've been wanting to write since you had to buy the book of all the agents that you would query to. Even though I hadn't written anything, I would know the process. And the process has been opened up to all of us mm-hmm. because we all have what we're on. You know, everyone doesn't have a computer, but this mechanism is that we can have podcasts or YouTube or books. We have this medium mm-hmm. that we haven't had 20 years ago and we should take advantage of it. Absolutely. My only contention on this. Yes. And I'm going to be devil's advocate here. Sure. Is that, so, you know, I'm writing a book. So my book, let's take my book as an example. Right now it's, I've only done the first draft. If anyone, anyone were to read this book, it's riddled with holes. It's riddled oh, sure. with, it's the first draft. I mean, I'm barely right. working on the second draft right now. If I thought, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I thought, oh, it's done. Mm-hmm. I wrote the whole book. Mm-hmm. Boom. I can publish it myself. I could put it out on an Ingram Sparks. And that's my contention as I feel there are people who put it out there, just say, I just want to put it out there mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. going through the steps. I mean, and I, I think it's critical that as authors and as writers, that the, there is the writing process and it's not a write once and you're done. It's mm-hmm. write, edit, 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 edit. <laughs> edit. Did I say edit already? You know, that's, that's the process, you know, get someone an, read it, edit again. <laughs> yes. And get, get a professional editor, get a copy editor, get a, you know, a structural editor, whatever. And, I feel there are people who 
don't do it. I don't have any examples because I don't, you know, like the books yeah. I've read. Because they don't make it in your world. There's too many, they really, they wouldn't make it in your world. And I think when self-publishing first came out, there was um, a lot of that backlash. You know, these are spelling errors. There's this, this, there's this, this. Then people started to step up their game. No one wanted to be called out as putting up, you know, I, not everyone does. Okay. But I um, really like an author um, and he wrote a book about living with a Navy SEAL mm -hmm. and I loved it. I was reading parts out loud to my husband on the couch, mm -hmm. you know, because I laughed. So he was like, what are you reading? <laughs> and I would read uh -huh. it up to him. I bought another book of his and there are speller, spelling errors. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they push this, okay. right? Mm -hmm. So once I read that, because I was so scared of making a mistake because I didn't want someone to say, see, she's not a professional. Right. She's not, you know, and because I'm so professional in my other job and I do my other job so well at this point to be a beginner, right. beginner again, super hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But a lot of, a lot of, um, critics in your head. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> right. A lot of that. doubters in there, a lot of haters going oh, I on. I like that so. head of ours. It's, it's, it's a bad place to be. <laughs> right. And you're a professional, right? Yes, I am. Right. I, so, so now to be a new, like to all of a sudden be brand new instead of already having that skill set, right. A little bit scary. You want to make mm -hmm. sure you're doing it right. Right. So I do believe that there's, I, but I was given permission when I saw those spelling errors. Permission like a, to be human, permission to make mistakes. Permission to say it's a mistake. I can always, if someone ever points out a spelling error, I won't crumble and never leave my house. I will get up second edition, correct it. But if HarperCollins or Penguin House or whoever wrote the books, I have found spelling errors in books or a word switch, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've read in something like, I have to read that sentence again. And yes, right. Mm -hmm. If they can do it to the big publishers, it gave me permission to say, you will be good enough when you do it. You will have exhausted this. You know, art is never done. You can make it done enough and put it out. And if anything ever happens, second edition it. <laughs> Correct it. You're small enough, you know, that you can. It's not like eight different people have to be involved in fixing this. You're small right. enough. You're a little gazelle. Turn on the corner, make a second edition. But it, 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 it's almost paralyzing to not feel good enough because all I've done for all these years is read completed works. Right. And to see your work first draft getting better and better, you're always wondering, is it getting better? Right. Because <laughs> you've been part of the whole Mm -hmm. right all the stages right right and then you're like did I say it better before and I just keep you know strangling this one sentence because it's not right or and that's where the copy editing got super useful okay to me I held off too late another mistake I made in my business was holding off too late with the copy editors okay um you know I was probably I had edited something out of its um original form because I was editing so much Ah, okay. Because I was wanting it to be perfect before mm -hmm. it went. Instead of letting someone read it, massage it, give it back to me. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then me go like, mm -hmm. I, so going forward, I won't do eight edits before people start reading it. Right. Okay. And I was so afraid to put stuff into the world. Right. Because I wanted it to be good and accurate 
and intelligent right. and articulate. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> that that is true. I mean, I'm on my second edit, and as I'm reading through it, one of the biggest. I mean, I'm taking notes, and the one of the biggest things is that the story sequence is completely off. Like the timeline is off. And I think what I did when I wrote the book is to just, when I felt like a scene came to my mind, right, I yeah. just wrote it. So it could have been, oh, when they first met, oh, let's write that scene now. And then, or, oh, I want to write the scene of the wedding. Okay, let's write the wedding and then go, I'm going to write this other scene. Then come back. I'm going to write the scene of when these people first met. So when you're reading this, you're like, wait. And I'm, it's so funny. I forgot that I wrote it. <laughs> a different sequence yeah. for whatever reason it's weird after six weeks I'm reading this novel and for some miraculous reason I think it's gonna be perfect it's fine and I'm reading wait, wait where did you go wait what who what character am I talking wait oh I switched oh this book is not done oh I gotta change the sequence <laughs> if you look at that as just getting it out the creative process because the first thing is almost like um, kind of like free association. Yes. And then it's like, all right, what are we saying here? Right, right exactly. And then, okay, let's say it better. What could we, would it be stronger pulling something out? Would it be better putting it in? Correct. You know, there, there's that whole part to it. But I do believe, um, so I have a family member who woke up one day and was going to write a screenplay. Okay. And at the end of the week, she was done. Okay. And I had a small crisis because I thought, how have I been working on this thing as long as I've been working on it and I'm not done, mm -hmm. right? And then same thing, you just did the first draft. Correct. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, the bad thing is when that person thinks, but it doesn't make any sense to the rest of us. I know you were probably knowing where you were going. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. One of the best things I could say in that is print it, move the pages around, you know, like, oh, don't you mean, just let it live on the, on your book. Oh, you, you're talking about physically printing, print, printing and physically moving the pages just so I can see it. Organize yourself a little bit better. So I can, oh, I was actually going to. Cause copying and pay, I found. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Tell me. What worked well for me, I'm uh -huh. a tactile person, getting it out of the computer because mm -hmm. I can get really lost in the computer. Okay. And then when I started getting whatever, now, okay, now I need a timeline, mm -hmm. right? So taping, all right, we're just doing this. What, what even goes in this chapter? Right. Timelining it, moving it around, and then reshuffling the pages, taking, writing out page numbers because sometimes just the organization of it helps it flow so much better. Okay. Because I don't think when you're writing a whole creative thing, you're writing it linear, like um, in a linear fashion. Correct. So my fiction book, I thought when I started it, I started with a lot of exposition. Right. Because I needed to know who these people were to know how they would act. Mm -hmm. And then I realized you're not going to care about the background of this person. I needed to write it to know who they were. Right. But you need to be into the story where it becomes interesting. Right. So then I ended up pulling all of this exposition out and moving some of the action forward 
and then plopping because then it's um and you can tell me if you found this too but there's like this one paragraph I just really am in love with oh my gosh yes yes but I don't like the rest of the page <laughs> like I don't like any of it but I think so then I take that maybe that can be put maybe that one thing after all that writing is important and now it's mm-hmm. literally like almost like a pot like cut this can right. stay this can go so there's a lot of massaging that mm-hmm. but I printed all my pages too late I was trying to keep it as a work that was another thing I did wrong hmm. um, because in my professional world I'm always printing moving things around even with budgets I get it on the spreadsheet I pull it out I look at it again I see what I need to do when I'm looking at kitchen fixtures I'm printing them out I'm trying to see like the I don't uh, there's a visual element to it, a tangible element to it. So use it's writing, which is on the page or in here, but right. use the different parts of it. Read it out loud, videotape yourself listening to it. Oh, wow. Okay. Because Brene Brown said that one of her books that she wrote the quickest, she talked out loud to her friends who like recorded it and wrote down stuff. And then she got all their information, went and then just translated it which I thought was really interesting. Okay. The only problem with that is I don't talk in full sentences. I stop, I start. And if I'm going to write like we talk, mm-hmm. grammatically, it's tricky. And I've had to, like, when I read it, I do read it out loud and I'm going, okay, you are writing this like you talk. You need to switch it over. If, mm-hmm. it's, if you're writing like you talk, it better be in quotes or it better be... A dialogue. A dialogue. Yes. It better be dialogue because people don't, you know, but then again, sometimes I'll just do it just for the heck of it in the middle, short sentences, you know, mm-hmm. said period. There was more period, you know, just, just yeah. because I want to play with it and I, I like it and I don't want these long sentences. I'll just have a long sentence and then I'll do a two word sentence. Well, that's, that's the way that makes it comfortable to read. Otherwise, you know, textbooks have long explanatory, you know, right. and sometimes like, okay, that's great for a medical journal, but that might not keep our interest in the storytelling. Just like we vary our cadence, our inflection in real life, you know, mm-hmm. and what makes us good storytellers um, off the page. Right. You know, but we're trying to bring a visualization of our story just through our words. So it's different skills and talents, I think. Right. You know, and just like I always used to say the book was better, which I still mostly feel that way a little bit, but what visual artists are doing with the written word and taking books and adapting it to screen, they're doing some great, great work now. Yes, they are. You know, Big Little Lies, I thought was a great series visually. Okay. Did not see, did not read it, but okay. Mm -hmm. No. And, um, really visually showed a lot of the complexities, use the visual, um, narration to really emphasize some points of what you would be feeling. I thought they did an excellent job with that. Um, as, as an example, but every medium has its own benefits and challenges. And I think writing, you have to make not when I read, I see a movie in my mind. Yes. I've always been that way. I think that's why I enjoy reading so much. Right. 
And I don't know if reading from so young gave me that imagination or if I had it innately. My husband doesn't see, a, when he reads, he doesn't see anything play out in his head, which is why he likes reading less. There were a few books that he said to me, I saw the movie in my head, but that's hmm. not his primary way that he reads. So okay. I think that's why he likes, he enjoys books less than I do. Books can put him to sleep. Like if he had insomnia, he could read and fall asleep. Where when I read, I stay up. I can't read a book anymore before bed. Because how many times have I lost sleep? <laughs> because I'm not putting the story down. <laughs> true, true, true. I mean, I can, I can do both. I can do both. I can read, be in the story. And I'm like, okay, now's a good time. The scenes change. I can turn it off, shut the book. I can do that. There's only like very few books that have just like kept me up. Like Ready Player One, I couldn't put it down. I was up like, I don't know, seven hours straight. I was just like, what am I doing? Oh my gosh, the sun's coming up. Okay, I gotta go to bed now. Like, I gotta go to bed. This is, yeah, the one more chapter live. But there is a um, a condition, I think it's a disorder called aphantasia, mm-hmm. which means people cannot visualize apparently, or like, for example, if I told you, close your eyes and imagine you're on this beach and it's white sands and the water is azure and the sun is just bright and there's a light breeze, you can visualize it. You, you could probably, you're probably there. You could probably feel the water on your feet. I, I mean, if I'm just describing, you can see it you can feel it, you could probably even taste the pina colada, all of Mm -hmm. that, right? But there are some people who apparently cannot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I heard a lecture, this woman was telling me about how she has aphantasia and that she's like, you know how this happens? Well, I can't do it. And for me, I don't know what that even means because I'm kind of like, what do you mean you cannot? Mm-hmm. If your brain cannot visualize it and see it as a movie, then what do you see in your brain? I, I don't, I don't understand. She's like, I don't see anything. It's just, mm-hmm. you just talk. Yeah. I don't see anything. It's just words. And I'm kind of like, oh, that would be sad. That is sad. Mm-hmm. But um, well, so I will say this. So my husband can visualize spaces. He can take four walls and build something in his mind and actually build it in real life. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's got imagination. And I can go into any space and be like, all right, move this wall, do this, do this, do this. And when it's done, it looks like what I had in my brain. Okay. I have, the, I have that too. Um, I know how to get to that A to B. I have people who go into a room and it's not like one person. It's actually the reason why we stay to home stage to stage your home when you're going to sell it. Mm-hmm. Because people can't imagine if they don't see something there, how it would look. And other people see a room that has a couch in one place and a TV one place and say, oh, my, my, my furniture would never fit in here. And I've seen their furniture. And I said, yes, it would. And they go, no, because my TV wouldn't go there. Well, your TV doesn't have to go there. Like, it's amazing how um, I think it's also a skill. I think you have to do it over and over and over again. And I think some people um, have that imaginative quality. Yes you know, and some people don't, I think that's why some people make really good, um, interior designers, you know, they, they can, you know, and I think that's why some people, 
are really good artists because when I paint, I'm not a very good painter. I don't necessarily, each time I paint, I can't paint the original thing I was going to paint. Okay. So then I would find it frustrating. Mm -hmm. Then I decided I'm painting for the feeling. And then at the end, I would like the painting more because I painted out something versus trying to recreate something in my mind because I don't have the skill. Okay. So I do think um, how much television you watch, how early and how much can either really help you start visualizing because now it's practiced in front of you Mm -hmm. and you're used to it or eliminates the ability for you to do it on your own, depending on what kind of person you are depending if you're left brain, right brain, mm. you know, what are you audio visual? We're all visual because our eyeballs are the parts of our brain that are on the outside. Right. Yeah. I'm very, I'm visual, but I can't do what you said you could do, like visualize a room and move things around and know mm-hmm. exactly what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person who needs the staging to sell the yeah. house. Because if you give Most me, people do. I, I mean, I wouldn't, my sister-in-law, on the other hand, you should see her house. It, you would swear she had an interior designer, but she did not. Mm-hmm. She'll just go and she'll be like, okay, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to put that here, here, here. And it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I'll go buy something. I'll put it here, here, here. And every bit of it is a mess. It's like the first thing was wrong. And then on top of it to make it better, I add a second thing, which even makes it worse. And then I'll be like, nope, this is it. And that's me. Yeah. But but anyway, let's get back to books real quick. And let's um, run. Uh, I always ask this question. If you've heard my interviews, you know, I ask, uh, what are your top favorite books? I used to say top five, but let's just say favorite books of all time. Uh, Okay, of all time. One of my favorite books was Night by Eli Wiesel. Okay. And that's the true story of um, his experience in the concentration camps during World War II. It's a horrible story, Um, but it was one that I read, you know, in seventh grade and we have reread over the years and I can almost still remember every word. Oh, wow. That kind of book. Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked The Good Earth. The Good Earth was, um, again, something I read really young. And I remember it opened up my world to how different places are, how women are treated differently. Mm hmm. Um, and it was just this epic, amazing story that I didn't want to read because I was young and I was reading Stephen King and The Good Earth was just like, oh, I <laughs> <laughs> and my mother was like, stop reading that, read this. I was like, oh. And I loved it. Uh-huh. Um, I recently read last year and I'm choosing it for a book club because I want to talk about it with people. I loved the book, My Dark Vanessa. Oh my gosh. Yes. I did a I think I, yes, I did do a book talk on it on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Great book. Oh, I'm going to have to find that particular one because I don't think I've listened to that one. And so I just thought um, what a nuanced story without cliche, just about a difficult topic for writing is beautiful. Really mm-hmm. liked that book. Um, I loved the book uh, Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. Okay. So Krakauer is a writer to me. He's a journalist but he's not dry or confusing. Sometimes when journalists write, mm-hmm. you know, um, his book is phenomenal. I think the first word on the, the first line is I stood on top of the world, one foot in Nepal and one foot in China or whatever, oh, wow. okay. um, which is a true story. 
about the Everest tragedy. Unbelievable book. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, Confederacy of Dunces. Okay. By John uh, Kennedy Tool. Okay. Um, very character driven. And there's all these different characters and you wonder what, it, you know, you're learning about all these different characters and then somehow they all come together at the very end of the book into one perfect twist. Okay. Like, um, written, uh, it was published posthumously. So um, you always wonder if it's an autobiography. Ah, interesting. Favorite authors? Hmm. I really like Dennis Lehane. Okay. When I was younger, I loved Stephen King, but I kind of grew out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, or I grew out of that genre. Okay. I think. Um, John Krakow, I will read anything he puts out in the world, whether it's an article or a book. Okay. Um, Gillian Flynn. I okay. actually really like her um, mm-hmm. writing. She's someone who I have to like buckle down when I'm buying mm-hmm. her book. I'm not finishing it until like, like <laughs> okay. You're like, I'm going to, this is it. I'm doing nothing else, but this. Um, I really like true crime. Okay. And as a genre, I like Anne Rule. Mac, she's written a lot mm-hmm. of books in there. I really like her. And I don't know, I have, I will give an author I've never heard of a chance. And then there are writers, the second I see their book, it doesn't matter what the book is about, I'll buy it. Cool. I learned a lot today talking to you. So I just want to say thank you so much for thank coming you. on and educating me. I, I had a great time. Oh, good. I actually had a great time too. And I'm really loving meeting the bookstagram people in real life, just so you know. I found you online um, with Katie Reeves and I did a book club with her and I'm just really enjoying the real life aspect coming off the page, you know, the phone and, and meeting you guys in person and keep up the good work with the podcast and I can't wait to read your book. And that's it for my chat with Lisa. Hope you were as enlightened as I was. Coming up for this podcast, we have book club episode discussing Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. You do not want to miss that one. And a charming conversation with an author from Oxford, England, Anne Youngson. I have another author from England scheduled to be on my podcast. I haven't recorded her yet, so I won't mention her name, but we'll keep you all posted. Before I go, I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be a part of a much different story one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, 
please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Join the conversation with me on a new app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's an audio app for podcast listeners like yourself. You will find something there that will interest you that you can interact with. And it's a great way to chat with me. Check it out. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.